question. Right, we'll start with a fun fact question. Riddle me this, Thomas. What is your favorite, like, national pizza chain? Like, cheap national pizza. What's pizza your go-to? Chain. I want a lot of pizza for a little dollar. If I'm feeling like... If I'm, like, bottom barrel pizza, like, I do not care. I just want pizza. I'll go Little Caesars. Not ashamed to Ooh, say it. Okay. Because Little Caesars is way cheaper than you can get pretty much anywhere else. And it's not... It's pizza. It's not bad. Right. Okay. I will say... Now, Costco pizza, that's another good contender because you could walk in there, you'll get a pizza out the door in 15 minutes, and it's $10, and it's huge. This is true. It is a It is, it is a, a sizable pizza. pizza. And it's fine. It's pretty good, you yeah. know. It's typical bad American pizza. It's a bit greasy, usually. It is very greasy. Yeah. But there's lots of cheese. It's true. Probably. That's where the grease comes from. I don't mind. I mean, locally, I like Jets a lot. I know they're not like a national chain. But. See, I think Jets Jets is a tier above. Yes, Jets is a tier Jets above. Jets is if I'm feeling fancy and Bree's not home because she doesn't like Jets. So it's my <gasps> special little treat. She doesn't like Jets. We Our go-to cheap pizza is usually Papa John's. Oh, yeah, Papa John's. I would say that's probably... If I'm going to order pizza from somewhere, I would do Papa John's. But really, I think I'm a convenience pizza person. Because there's the... I live like... Five steps from a Vito's or something, See, which Vito's, is a local chain. I like Vito's too, local. Gino's is good. Not a Marco's man, though. Yeah, Marco's is like the worst of both worlds because it's not as cheap as Little Caesars, but it feels like you're eating Little Caesars. Yeah. So. All right, that has been Pizza Talk with Tom and It's been Pizza Talk. Stay tuned for future episodes of Pizza <laughs> Talk. Hello and welcome to We the Sheeple, your bi-weekly podcast guide into the wild and wacky world of conspiracy theories and misinformation. I'm your host, Trent Jones, and with me, as always, I have my co-host, Tom McVeigh. I'll take crackpot theories for 200, Alex. <laughs> Only 200? Have some confidence, Tom. Um, and, of course, we have our silent, but definitely, definitely real. I cannot express how real this person is, this being is, uh, Devin. Did I say producer? I, pro- I probably got caught up and didn't <laughs> say producer. You got so... Just lost in the sauce. You wanted to talk about how real he was that you forgot his role, Mm -hmm. his title, if you will. Yeah, he's actually, this time of year is rough for him. It's very cold here locally. Mm -hmm. When we're recording this weekend, I think it's, we're probably going to average in the tens or single digits Fahrenheit. (laughs) Kill me. Very cold, very cold. Devin struggles in these types of years because his blood is actually, gets so viscous, he just slows down. He's kind of like those frogs that like sleep under like in a cold pond all winter they basically just freeze yeah i I think he actually switches from being exothermic to endothermic if it's cold enough so oh interesting yeah it's weird maybe we'll witness this there's a phd thesis in the works on it actually what university i can't tell you that oh sorry for asking (laughs) oh man yeah how are you i'm I'm good man i'm excited happy to hear it what kind of pizza you like? <laughs> <laughs> Tom, what are we talking about today? So, Trent, long ago, back in the uh, the early days of We the Sheeple, mm-hmm. you uh, told us all about the Dyatlov Pass. Yes, yes. And a potential Yeti attack that was the cause of potential. it. Potential. One of the many theories. And I was, I don't even know if I said it on the episode, but I promised on that day. I would write an episode about Yetis. That day has finally come. Oh my gosh, the long anticipated by... Surely someone has anticipated this. Right. 
So we're going to learn about this mysterious beast that may or may not roam the world, always just on the precipice of detection. Ooh. There are many uh, ape-like creatures in folklore, so I'm actually going to tell you about three different ones today. <gasps> yeah. So we're going to talk about the Yeti, uh-huh. the Yowie, <laughs> and oh. uh, Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Okay. I have heard of two. I have not heard of the Yowie. We're going to look at the legends behind them, their distinguishing features, modern efforts to prove their existence, and see what meaning we can draw from all of this. Oh, heck yeah. As a sidebar, I was going to have a fourth category of the skunk ape, which is like the Florida man of Sasquatch, but there just wasn't enough out there. But I just want you to know that Florida has its own Bigfoot. And they run around in the Everglades. Yeah. And the, the bayous. It'd be so good. <laughs> but there's a lot of them. There's other ones, but these were kind of, I mean, two of the big ones, and the Yowie was just interesting to me. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we'll start with the Yeti. Yes, please. Um, it is also known as the Abominable Snowman. And most of the legends about it center, like, in the Himalayan region of the world. That's where you're going to hear about this dude, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the indigenous Lepcha people of Nepal worshipped a glacier creature as a god oh. of the hunt. And the descriptions match a lot of, like, what our modern uh, conception of yetis are. Large, big, hairy. It's true. If you want some numbers to it, I actually got them here. Generally, they're described as being between 2 and 400 pounds. (laughs) So that's kind of light, actually. Yeah, that's not huge. That's, like, less than a bear, I feel like, right? Yeah, only, like, 6 feet tall, which is smaller than the American Bigfoot. Because, you know, everything's bigger in America. That's true. And if you think about it, like, I am in that range of height and weight. It's not, I wouldn't be that afraid of me in the mountains, but. Yeah. Maybe if we add some hair to you, give you some chompers, maybe, I guess, and a roar, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yes, wait. We got some roars coming up. Do they uh-huh. fling feces as other ape-like entities are known to do? You know, I'm not That'd sure about fearsome. that. That'd be fearsome. Right. Uh, generally white fur, uh, ape-like face, human-like face. It just depends, you know. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. going to see there's a lot of similarities and a lot of vagueness in all of these, <laughs> right? So, um, some history on the Yeti. Mm. Alexander the Great. Oh, of, you know, conquering and things. Of conquering fame. That's not uh, <laughs> where I thought we were going to go with this. He demanded to see one in uh, the year 326 BC. <laughs> That's awesome. But locals said they couldn't because it would die if they brought it down to a lower altitude. Oh. So it's like the fish you pull up from the bottom of the sea and they like explode. because <laughs> uh, yeah. Same same, same vibes. That's funny. Right. Um, we're gonna Can you jump... imagine that interaction? Like, <laughs> Alexander the Great, like, just finished conquering your people, like, just stormed in, and he goes, you start telling him, like, you're hamming it up. You're like, no, we got these cool beasts here. They're called yetis. Can you imagine? Like, big furry. And he's like, oh, can I see one? And you go, well, well, no, I, I, I can't bring it down or it'll die. You could also think about it too, like, if it was actually, like, what they revered as a god, that's like a, it's a ballsy request, I guess, you know? That's very true. Bring your god of the hunt down from the mountains, like, yeah, sorry, I'll die. I don't know, if anybody had the audacity, I feel like it would be Alexander the Great. Yeah, so, you know, I like to think of him as the first Yeti podcaster. Really. <laughs> the first, yeah, you could say that, I guess. I, I just did. <laughs> um, so, we're going to jump ahead to the 20s. I'm going to guess the 1920s or 1820s. I didn't write that down. Great researching. Uh, But this is when Westerners started to travel to the Himalayas. Um, You know, I'm thinking your Edmund Hillary's, your Everest climbing that, you know. Yeah, when they got the the, age of mountaineering. Yeah, the Eastern fascination. 
So um, explorers returned with tales of large footsteps in the mountains, which the guides told them were Meto Kangmi, which means man, bear, snowman. <laughs> Very specific name. I love languages that are so direct. Yeah. yeah. Man, bear, snowman. Or it's like German where you just pile all the words together into one. Right. Which uh, somehow was translated to the filthy or abominable snowman by like the media of the day. So Nailed it. Right? Close. So, uh, Mira Shackley offered this description in uh, 1942. This is a report from two hikers that were up in the Himalaya Mountains describing their uh, encounter with a creature. Uh, end quote. They saw two black specks moving across the snow about a quarter mile below them. Despite the significant distance, they offered the following detailed description. The height was much less, not much less than eight feet. The heads were described as squarish, <laughs> and the ears must lie close to the skull because there was no projection from the silhouette against the snow. Mind you, they said they were a quarter mile away, I believe. Oh, no, they got great peepers, Tom. Don't right. even worry about it. Uh, the shoulders sloped downward to a powerful chest. Powerful chest. A powerful. He, he doesn't skip benches. Powerful. Dude, right? Uh, covered with reddish-brown hair, which formed a close fur mixed with long, straight hairs hanging downward. I'm impressed that they could figure out the direction of the hair, and also it doesn't sound very camouflaged. No. Red, yeah, red hair. Like, basically a ginger, right. <laughs> a ginger yeti running around. Um, another person saw a creature, quote, about the size and build of a small man, the head covered with long hair, but the face and chest not very hairy at all. So a man... <laughs> Reddish brown in color and bipedal, it was busy grubbing up roots and occasionally emitted a loud, high pitched cry. How long do they watch it? Just foraging for roots? (laughs) So there's like a common theme of appearances, and there's not a lot of compelling evidence. Um, This is kind of just a fun little story. So, an anthropologist who was the director of the Smithsonian's uh, primate biology program, like, he was dead, like, set, believed he saw a Yeti. It was about 500 feet away, and he got pictures of it, right? And, I mean, they're 500 foot away pictures, but they looked pretty good. Uh-huh. So, uh, researchers returned to the site a year later and found a large rock that matched the picture pretty identically. <laughs> So can you imagine? You said he was a professor of biology. He was the director of the Smithsonian's primate biology program. Oh my gosh! And how do you whiff so hard? <laughs> like how high were you at that point? You're like this rock, this rock ape, this rock is ape. Man, oh man, that's a doozy. So that's just a little background on your yeti, right? Mm-hmm. Not my yeti. Our yeti. Not my yeti. Not my president. Oh, uh, they're fun, right? So we're going to go to Yowies now. Ooh, okay. Where, where do you think Yowies are from? Let's just like play a little guessing game. This sounds like a stupid Britishism of a word. So that's my... I know it's not there, but that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, if you would have said a British penal colony, I would have gave it to you. But yeah, so oh. these are from the uh, outback of Australia. Australia, <laughs> mate. Dang it! I should have guessed that. Right. Um, and the origins come from, like, Aboriginal oral histories. Um, they're generally described, shockingly, as a hairy, ape-like man. But these are between 7 and 12 feet tall. Oh, big boys. Uh, and their feet are larger than human feet. It was very important, I tell you that. I feel you would need larger feet at that size. That's such, like, a funny thing to point out. 
Because, like, if it was 12 feet tall, you could just say it was 12 feet tall, and I would assume the feet scale. Right. And while all the reports said the feet are larger, uh, the footprints... All all the, the claimed footprints that have been found are of inconsistent shape and toe count. <laughs> what does that mean? Either there's some weird like toe circumcision going on or these footprints are not the same. It's not a very stable or... genetic <laughs> genetic uh, code here for the Yetis. Um, they are reported to be uh, shy and timid as well as violent and aggressive. So, you know, the whole spectrum's the covered spectrum. on that one. Depends on the day. Did he hit, did he did the yeti wake up on the right side of the cave? I don't know. It's a yowie, actually. Please, yowie, uh, sorry. Please be sensitive to their our our Australian listeners, of which there are some. Hey, so. what up? Tell us more about the yowie. Uh, like, comment, tell your friends. Please do. The first uh, reported sighting of a yowie by an Australian was said to have occurred in like 1795. Okay. Um, with an encounter in the late 1800s being described by naturalist Henry James McCooey, which is a great name, uh, as follows, quote, A few days ago, I saw one of these strange creatures. I decided he was British, by the way, so we're going to go with that. On the coast between Bateman's Bay and Ulladula. <laughs> oh, okay. I should think that it were standing perfectly upright. It would be nearly five feet high. That's it? It's a baby, man. I don't know. Oh, it was a baby. <laughs> it was tailless and covered with a very long black hair, which was of a dirty red or snuff color about the throat and breast. A snuff color. That's the best, like, when did you say this was? 1800 uh, description of yeah, color. 1800s. Snuff color. Its eyes, which were small and restless, <laughs> were partly hidden by matted hair that covered its head. I threw a stone at the animal, whereupon it, it immediately rushed off. End quote. <laughs> oh, man. What a time to be alive when your first your first reaction to a strange animal is to just whip a rock at it. He was going by safari zone rules, man. I get He should have thrown bait and he could have caught it, maybe. I just like, he's like, yeah, I saw it. Uh, this was a shy, timid variety, clearly. Cause clearly, rock, clearly. Uh, yeah, the aggressive variety would not take kindly to a uh, stone throw, I don't think. So, uh, some more fun facts about Makui. We're just going to keep rolling with him. Mm-hmm. He offered to capture one and sell it to the Australian Museum for 40 pounds, but I don't think they took him up on it. I couldn't That's find it. it? Um, or was 40 pounds a lot? Of you say that. I looked it up to see what the value of 40, 1,800 pounds is in today's money. It's about $1,500, so I don't know if that's a bargain or a That's still not very much. Like, if somebody caught a Sasquatch today and was going to sell it to a museum, you wouldn't say, a cool grand and a half. (laughs) I think you'd shoot a little higher. Yeah, but if you get the payment ahead of time and you know it's not a real thing. You spend your 40 pounds on 40 pounds of beer. (laughs) Yeah, have some fun in the Outback, I think. So, yeah, um... There are still some prominent Yowie hunters in the modern day, but um, one historian, Graham Joyner, thinks that the Yowie never actually existed, hmm. and not even just like as a creature, but even as a myth. Oh. So you know how I said it kind of arose from like Aboriginal oral history? He said it originated, uh, the term Yowie first showed up in a 1975, uh, in 1975 based on a misunderstanding from a newspaper story. Oh, so he said there is a creature like in myth known as the Yahoo. Yeah, ooh. And it actually might have existed. It was just like a large marsupial. 
Oh, and there would be legends about it, but he thinks like the and which one's bug? Entomology is bugs. Yeah, right? I think so. Whatever the one that means words. <laughs> uh, <laughs> etymology. Etymology, there you go. So he thinks it's just like a Yowie, Yahoo confusion, but there was never even really in myth like a... Yeah. Seven and foot tall marsupial ape. And Bigfoot. Colonialist. Co- what? Colonialist? Colonialist. That's yeah. what I want. They're not exactly well known for their sensitivity towards, you know, talking with the aboriginal communities, so... Wouldn't be shocking if they missed it. Um, yeah. He actually wrote a whole book, like, on the subject of, like, the Yowie and the Yahoo, and I couldn't find, like, a free copy online, but I'm pretty sure he's not a crackpot. Like, he's, like, a respected, like, academic, so. That's neat. Yeah, we need a, uh, I mean, we're not going to stick with a respected academic for much longer, but <laughs> it's good to have one or two of them in here, you know? You want to plant your foot on solid ground while you can. So up to this point. Up to this point. Got yetis? Got yetis. Yeah, yowies. Check. Yowies. So we had the Bigfoot left, right? Yeah, Bigfoot left. Sasquatch. Excited? I'm very excited. This is a homegrown one for us. This is our neck of the woods. Our continent, at least. Yeah. I mean, actually, Kentucky was some of the stuff we'll talk about, so that's Ooh. pretty close. But uh, I'm even more excited to tell you about our sponsors, Trent. Ooh, what a segue. Professional podcasters. Professional podcasters. So uh, let's uh, take a ship. A ship, a trip down to the uh, shilling <laughs> cave and see what we can find. To the shilling hour. sure were some great ads for products and or services oh the best only the best here on we the sheeple that one was my favorite <laughs> yeah that one okay cool um so bigfoot that's where we left off right mm-hmm <laughs> this dude he's a dude now i decided this dude is supposed to be native to the forest of north america and based on photos and videos it is inherently blurry <laughs> it blurs all images. Have you? I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of those, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like our other friends we've discussed, it's generally described as a muscular bipedal ape, somewhere between six and nine feet tall, mm-hmm. often with a dark coat. Hmm. Some descriptions have it well over 15 feet tall, which is awesome. Whoa, that would be pretty cool. It's just so cool. That's How big are Goliath. like Yetis in D and D? They're, pretty big, They're right? large, technically, with which I think large probably starts at probably it's close to fifteen feet. I would guess. Yeah, between ten and fifteen. Um, they're sometimes described to have human faces. Other times, ape-like faces. That would be horrifying right? as a human face. Well, like, the gorillas at the zoo, there's just enough human behind it that it scares me a little bit. That's fair. And their hands. I like the gorillas. I like gorillas them too. are funny but... to watch. Um, Michael Rugg of the Bigfoot Discovery Museum <laughs> has a description of their odor for us. Oh! <laughs> so we're going to get we're gonna engage all the senses on today's episode. Uh, imagine a skunk. Okay. That had rolled around in dead animals and then hung out in garbage pits. Good God. Lovely, right? <laughs> the Sasquatch pheromones. I don't think Sasquatch is a scent that we'll be seeing uh, perfume 
uh, makers imitate anytime soon. <laughs> that made me think of Anchorman. <laughs> with the Sex Panther cologne yeah. and the one cheeks. It smells like Bigfoot's dick! <laughs> so there you go, Sex Panther is uh, what they smell like. Uh, <laughs> if you're into early 2000s Will Ferrell comedies, I mean, you're a target audience, so you should be That's here. That's true. Um, like other creatures uh, thus far, there are references of like hairy man-like creatures in Native American folklore, 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 and some claim uh, cave paintings clearly depict the Sasquatch. Here's like one famous picture supposedly of a family of uh, some yetis or sasquatches. I'll try to remember to tweet it. I'll show it to you though. It's oh, like, like you a can buy painting? That. Yeah, yeah, I get where that could come from because it doesn't look like a human, certainly. Um, as like we expanded uh, westward, tales of the Bigfoot became more common. Right, like it's big in Pacific Northwest too, huh? Yeah. I think a big part of that's just like, I mean, America's not very old as a country, but, you know, the East Coast, the Eastern Seaboard's been colonized by us mm. since, like, what, the 1600s? For a lot longer. So, as we moved west, it's just a lot more untouched forest, a lot more unknown. So, of course, the tales would be... At least untouched from a white person's perspective. Yeah, I mean, yeah, fair enough. But we killed a lot of the native people when we first got here, so there weren't many of them to say, no, nah, I don't think there's a big furry guy out there. Um, in the modern sense, though, uh, the Bigfoot craze, I guess, mm-hmm. as it started out, was in uh, 1958. Oh, that's pretty early. A bulldozer driver named Jerry Crew discovered large footprints in the mud at his work site. Hmm. Other workers had seen like similar prints at other jobs, and they told tales of heavy barrels being moved with no explanation. Oh. He's working out. Yeah, right? Uh, it's like Mr. Incredible in that scene where he goes to like the rail yard or whatever, and it's just lifting train cars, I guess. Sasquatch, yeah. Sasquatch got a lift, too, I guess. I mean, everyone's Just move lift. heavy you barrels. You gotta lift away the fields. Um, you get bored sometimes. So, the they started calling the creature Bigfoot. And a photo of crew holding a plaster cast of the foot appeared in a newspaper, and it just went viral from there, man. Nice. Um, in 2002, the family of crew's co-worker stated that their father had been secretly making the large footprints with uh, carved wooden feet, and he was responsible for the tracks. Oh, heck yeah. That's awesome. Uh, despite that, like, Willow Creek and Humboldt County are considered by some to be the Bigfoot capital of the world. So even though, like, where it started, like, Literally, they're like, my dad was bored and did this. They're still marketing it, you know, because... That's pretty sweet. That reminds me. So, I watch Modern Family incessantly. It's, like, one of my favorite TV shows. It's, like, my comfort show that I'll just watch okay. over and over. Word, word flex, but okay. But the one... There's one episode where um, the one of the characters and his dad, he, like, goes back to visit his dad because his dad's really old. And the dad ends up passing away in that... Whatever. But there was in their small town, they had like this legend of a giant penguin. Like there were giant <laughs> penguin footprints leading out of like on a beach, and it was like the whole town craze of like the Sasquatch. And you figure out at the end it was his dad the whole time with the footprints, so he does it again. Honors too. Anyway, that's your Modern Family tidbit for this week. Yeah, we do not endorse Modern Family as a podcast. Actually, I do. Okay, well. You know, How rude uh, of you, Tom. How dare you? Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. So do you remember our naturalist friend, uh, McCoy earlier? Who threw yes. rocks at Bigfoot? Certainly. Or Yowies? 
I'm, there's too many. I'm getting the one mixed up now. Um, Bigfootologists claim the opposite, and Bigfoot likes to throw rocks at people. Oh, so dear. The American version is definitely aggressive. It doesn't fling its own feces, but it certainly flings... Maybe it poops boulders we don't. <laughs> it flings the boulders. Um, they also punch trees to communicate. <laughs> okay. Some hardcore woodpecker action, I guess. Um, but less gen- functional. <laughs> um, they're generally described as nocturnal, which would make them different than like every other great ape that exists. You know, and most creatures generally. So, just to kind of get us, we're gonna start shifting now mm-hmm. from kind of realistic things to weird things, right? Yes, please. So we're gonna start with a clip of some uh, bigfoot hunters doing bigfoot calls. <gasps> Heck yes. So this like mountain monsters, like a low budget discovery show. It's definitely like the search for Bigfoot on oh, Animal yes. Planet or Discovery Channel. Excellent. So yeah, uh, enjoy. Hey Lyle, do you do any squatch calls? Uh, I, I can. You know, I'm an amateur at it compared to you guys, but <laughs> I can do it. I guess. Renee, clip you copy? Yeah, go ahead, Bobs. We're gonna see Lyle do a squatch call. I like that. Sounded kind of ghoulish. I know. Oh, that's everything I hoped it would be. I've seen those before. Those are great shows. Like, this is some guys running around in the woods like crazy. Yeah, from all the clips, and I didn't watch a full episode, but I tried to scrub the clips to find something usable in them. It all seems to be a lot of just uh, green night vision goggles and people being like, oh, did you hear that? And I can never hear what they're trying no, to hear. Never. And that's... I assume there's a lot of commercial breaks where they're just about to find Bigfoot and then they don't. <laughs> I love that. I the my favorite part of that clip is the dude goes, "Man, I'm not I'm not as good at doing a Sasquatch call as you guys are." He does a Sasquatch call. The noise that this man makes, I refuse to believe that you could be better or worse at making a noise that Sasquatch makes based Would on that. Would you like to attempt to make it? No. Well, that just sounds like a dog. What did his sound like? I don't know. Uh, Ghoulish, they said. Ghoulish. Okay, well. <laughs> It's almost like a pig call. Sweet! Sweet! Why is that a pig call? I have no I assume that it's just like any sound. Like you just have to make a loud sound to make pigs the pigs come to you for dinner or something. I don't know. So apparent allegedly Sasquatches like just beat on trees. Yeah, to like signal other Sasquatches. I think that's what the knocking was. That they like they just punch to. or do they like take a stick and like ah The one thing I or read said punch and I that's my canon now. Okay. But, you know, we're going to make our official Sasquatch guide. Yeah. <laughs> the We the Sheeple Guide to Sasquatches and other Yowies and Yetis. Bipedal ape-like creatures. <laughs> <laughs> that aren't apes. That are not apes. Oh, actually, let's, uh, let's calm oh, down. let's calm down. Okay. So I can only be normal, and normal's doing a lot of lifting in this sentence for so long. 
It's time to get into weirdos. Dr. Melba Ketchum. A veterinarian who may Father or may not want to catch them all. <laughs> uh, leads the Sasquatch Genome Project. <laughs> oh, man. In 2013, Dr. Ketchum requested to register the species name Homo sapiens cognatus. Cognatus means relative by blood. Oh, interesting. Following the publishing of her article, Novel North American Hominins, Next Generation Sequencing of Three Whole Genomes and Associated Studies in the De Novo Journal of Science. Wow, that's a mouthful. Well, the, the last part wasn't the title. That's the Journal of Science that it was published in. I will say next gen sequencing is a real thing. Okay. So it's not just made up words. Oh. It is a genetic technique. Okay. I believe you. It sounds groundbreaking though, right? It does sound a groundbreaking. A new species of hominid. New species. In North America. In North America. Genetic evidence. In my America. So in the article, Ketchum et al. analyzed 111 samples of blood, hair, and tissue supposedly originating from this uh, Sasquatch, right? Sasquatch. Sasquatch. One problem, though. What? Uh-huh. The journal that she uh, published her article in was just a website <laughs> that was registered nine days earlier. Oh, nice. By her. So, when we're talking, using the word journal, we're talking in the loose sense of maybe it's uh, what you buy your child to write their feelings in and not a scientific journal. Right. Yeah, and for those listeners who aren't really familiar with like the scientific journal and that whole process when you're when you're like an academic um you know you write your article you got all your citations your methods your mm-hmm. discussions should be peer-reviewed that's like the key to science right mm-hmm. you submit this to a journal and the journal will select three to five people who are like experts in your field or the fields being discussed in the article and they will review it and give comments like yeah no change this or whatever mm. That's a big part of science. That's like making sure... Right, you're not doing science by yourself in a lab. I mean, so, you, you do the experiments, and then the the hallmark of good science is it being repeatable and somebody else being able to yeah, get the same result. and the peer review process says, like, hey, other people that know how this works is like, yeah, this person's not registering a website nine days ago and claiming to <laughs> find Sasquatch, you know? Uh-huh. Weird example, though. So ignoring the fact that her... Uh, Scientific journal was not a real journal, and she owns it, and it only existed for nine days before publishing said article. Mm-hmm. Let's, like, look at the claims of Dr. Ketchum, right? <laughs> Dr. K- Professor Oak, Professor if you will. Oak. According to her study, which is in quotes, um, the Sasquatch is a hybrid with humans and an unknown primate that arose approximately 15,000 years ago. Huh. Do you know anything about, like, genetic timescales? Don't, didn't like the branch of humans that we are. What are we? Uh, we're Homo sapiens, sapiens, right? Yeah. We can't, we showed up like between 50 and 100,000 years ago, right? Is that right? No, not really. Oh, bummer. So, just for some uh, comparisons. I like, really took a swing you there. You did, you tried. Homo uh, Neanderthalinus, like the Neanderthals, they went extinct 40,000 years ago. Oh, okay. So she's saying that uh, unknown primate and humans hybridized 15,000 years ago. And already are at a stable... Different species level. Um, uh, For a more comparison, we split with... um, 
we split with like the Homo Neanderthal branch somewhere between like three and eight hundred thousand years ago. Oh, that's it! Wow. Yeah. And chimpanzees, which are our closest living relative, split from our lineage like four million years ago. Whoa! So, so like so these are the time scales yeah. we're talking on, right? So like minor changes take, you know, thousands of years. Big changes take millions. You're not going to see a whole species arise. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some opposition by people who know how science works. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's good, right? Shortly after publication, the paper was analyzed and outlined by Sharon Hill of Doubtful News for the Committee of Skeptical Inquiry, which is just a great... That's great. They just, like, take apart pseudoscience, I assume? Yeah. Uh, She reported that the journal was, you know, not real. Mm -hmm. Uh, They mismanaged the DNA testing entirely, stating that the few experienced geneticists who viewed the paper reported a dismal opinion of it, noting it made little sense. (laughs) That's a classic when somebody who knows the science you're talking about says, yeah, this ain't it. This ain't it, dog. And I'll say, like, on her website, to her credit, I guess, um, she has the the journal article that she submitted to nature. Like, if you know anything about science, oh, like okay. nature so and science, like a like big journal. the two big ones. Those yeah. are like career defining kind of things to get published in. I have a background in genetics. You know, I studied in undergrad grad school. I, I, I tried so hard. I read her paper and either I don't remember how genetics works or that is gobbledygook. <laughs> it made a lot no of technical sense. jargon words Not smashed even. together that just don't, it'd be up. like, fluffy words in there too like we expect synergy kind of it'd be like oh there is a it sounded like a donald trump speech talking about like the amount of (laughs) there's a tremendous variance it was like nonsense dude right just talking in circles for right it was horrible and um like they kept talking about like mitochondrial dna which is super freaking stable like you're not gonna see a mitochondrial dna like branch from humans in 15,000 years like that's why there's like mitochondrial eve like the have you ever heard of that term in genetics tom the extent that i know about the mitochondria is that it is the powerhouse of the cell okay so fun fact you have a different dna there's mitochondrial dna uh-huh that's like inside every cell so mitochondrial eve is this kind of like concept of she is like the most living recent woman who all of us have um her DNA, mitochondrial DNA via our mothers. Whoa! Right? What? And this, uh, about 155,000 years ago is when this occurred. Like, that lineage of mitochondrial DNA. So, 15,000 years ago is not going to differentiate. That's awesome. I have heard that, like, throughout human history, like, it's a pretty substantial amount of inter... Like, even when cultures and societies develop... There's still so much intermixing that happens that, like, you do get, like, specific genetic markers, but even to say that any one population is substantially different than any other is, like, kind of a stretch. Right. And, like, there's some, like, highly conserved, that's the technical word for it, like, parts of DNA, and, like, that would mm. be one of them. Like, they don't change a lot. So, we can just do a little sidebar because I feel like it. So, I did a lot of population genetics work, which is, like, looking at how genes flow between populations of the same species Mm -hmm. and when you do that you use um it's called non-coding dna so your dna right your there are a's and t's and c's and g's those are the yeah yeah, yeah. nucleic acids Uh uh-huh 
they code, you might, we're going back to high school biology. I can see it. You got it. You know, like the uh, ribosomes involved uh, probably. Um, uh, it takes the little snippets of DNA and it's like, it reads them and it spits out protein. I mean, no, yeah, cause it like, proteins. it unzips it in half and then replace, you basically match up with the opposite pair and that's how you replicate it. Right? Yeah. That's part of it too. And then they read it with MRNA and yeah, it makes the proteins. That's it's instructions. It's instructions for your body to do things it needs to do. Right. Mm-hmm. But your DNA just isn't all instructions there's a lot of nonsense gobbledygook in between all the instructions mm. and that mutates a lot because it doesn't matter oh okay so you can see in populations like oh they have the same mutation in the non coding part of their dna where so they have you the same gobbledygook is the gobbledygook flowing from one population to the other or not how much of it is does that kind of make sense yeah because then that could imply because there's much- no cross you get between those different populations and there's no evolutionary pressure on that dna there's no fitness nothing makes it you more likely to pass on your genes based on Mm -hmm. because it's garbage dna right right so the scientist magazine also analyzed the paper reporting that uh geneticists who have read the paper are not impressed to state the obvious no data or analyses are presented that in any way support the claim that their samples come from a primate or human primate <laughs> hybrid. That's about as scathing as it gets. <laughs> right. Leonid Krugulak, which is an awesome name. That is. Um, of Princeton University told the Houston Chronicle, instead, an- analyzes either come back as 100% human or fail in ways that suggest technical artifacts. So he's saying all the DNA is either definitively human or contaminated. <laughs> <laughs> um, the website for the De Novo Journal of Science which is, you know, Just was set up on February 4th, and there is no indication that Ketchum's work, the only study has published, was ever peer-reviewed. That's great. So she set up this fake journal and then never bothered to, like, get other fake papers to put in there. Just the one. She had one shot, and she was taking it. So, and I, this isn't, like, a one-off, like, event. So this is, like, a legend almost at this point in the lab I used to work in. Mm-hmm. Some dude, like emailed our uh, our professor that ran the lab because he had like you know groundbreaking discoveries of like that would rock the world he found sasquatch and he had dna proof mm-hmm. and this dude this was before my time mind you mailed though like a chinese food carton just full of like vile smelling god knows what claiming it was contained sasquatch dna so there are crazy people out here doing this kind of stuff man the chinese food container <laughs> Oh, man. So I bad science, it. crackpots, it's great. But I did want to end on a, a positive note. Uh-huh. About... Is it Real quick, is it all of your work in genetics that has made you qualified to be a radiochemist? Yes. Um, <laughs> next question. <laughs> oh, We're going to end on a positive note about mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Ketchum. Because she's doing some good work out there. Sure. Um, this comes from the page on the Sasquatch Genome Project titled, Protecting the Sasquatch People. (laughs) The Sasquatch people are more like us than they are different. Mm. The Sasquatch people have their own language, traditions, and rituals. (laughs) They live in family units. They order their lives according to the laws of their people, and they bury their dead. Yet. Yet. The Sasquatch people are captivating because of their physical, genetic, and cultural differences. Sadly, 
these special traits also make them uniquely vulnerable to those who would see their unusual lifestyle or appearance a justification to harass, trap, or even kill them. Your compassion and understanding will be vital to protect the Sasquatch people. So that one's taking a uniquely conservationist tone. Powerful stuff. Before before we've even proved that they're real, we're already trying to conserve them. Which is a nice thought, I guess. Proactive and all, but... And I think I posted the image in Discord. I don't remember if you saw it or not. It was hilarious, though. I'll, I'll oh, pull it up again. It. I'll tweet it out, too. So, um, like, a Sasquatch holding hands? <laughs> oh, my gosh! That was what a guess. Page. Oh, where is it? I know this is the best part where I describe pictures that I'm sending to Trent, right? Uh, yeah. Do you want to try to describe this? <laughs> That's incredible. Okay. I'm going to guess at a period of time here. It looks like it was taken off a t-shirt that my dad would have got in the early 2000s, like on vacation or a bumper sticker. It has like a nice pastel, like range of colors. And it's like a sunset with woods and a Sasquatch family. Man, woman, and child, it looks like, <laughs> strolling. Oh, man. That's incredible. And what it, te- what font is that? I believe I've it is. It Aubrey told me because she hates it. I think it's, um, oh, what is it called? It's the one that's on all the new agey stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know what it's called. I should call Can her I find and, it? Can we call her and put her on speakerphone right now? You could. I'm going to. The first Can live phone it? call on We the Sheeple. I actually don't know whether... Um... I'm going to call her. This is funny. Listeners, this is a brand new experience. Groundbreaking stuff. Hello? Hey, um, you're on the We the Sheeple podcast live right now. What the... F- Language. We're a family-friendly uh, podcast. Devin, Devin, bleep that out. Yeah, oh, can you bleep? That'd be so funny. Um... Hey, what's the that first one? bleep button is a <laughs> special guest. What's the one font that's horrible that's not Comic Sans that's on the Sasquatch picture? Papyrus. Papyrus, thank you. All right, you're the best. I love you. Bye. Uh, okay, bye. <laughs> Talented graphic artist and designer of the We the Sheeple <laughs> logo, Brianna McVeigh, everyone. <laughs> See, dude, that's what I got for you today. Uh, any oh, final I thoughts, loved questions? I loved it. That was great. I want Sasquatch to be real. That would actually be really cool if they were. <laughs> Maybe I go live with Sasquatch in the woods. Might be better. I think it would be better at this point. They have a beautiful culture. Move to Canada, live with Sasquatch in the woods. Those are really my options, I feel like, at this point. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I love our furry friends that may or may not exist. Um... What? Follow us on Twitter. Yeah, right? we the Sheeple Pod. I'm gonna tweet out a picture right now. We have a TikTok. Or I won't, maybe. I, don't I know. have never posted anything on TikTok, but I I'm thinking I might wanna just like start making really cryptic comments on videos. Um with our TikTok account. That could be fun. You can follow us on there though. Maybe we'll post something eventually. It's possible. Um more importantly uh we have a gmail if you have any questions comments you just want to say hi whatever if you're from australia and you have uh and you have experience with the what was it called the yaoi the yaoi or the yahoo (laughs) i've had some experience with yahoos in my day dude my like search engine got default changed to yahoo the other day yeah my 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 chrome has done that a couple times and i don't know why it does that it's weird anyway 
if you know why, if you know what glitch in uh, Google Chrome <laughs> that causes that to happen, email us. We'd love to hear it. We need tech support, please. Um, additionally, uh, like, subscribe, tell your friends if you can. Um, I think Spotify now has the ability for to rate. I don't think... Can you leave comments yet? I think you can just rate. You can just rate. If you've listened rate. to enough episodes on there. If you are an expert in We the Sheeple. Um, it's not very many because I could rate it and I don't <laughs> listen to this garbage. <laughs> um, the other... Yeah, tell your friends. Word of mouth is like kind of how podcasts work, I feel like. Rarely do people just pick up a podcast that they had no intention of seeing. Um... Yeah, so if you like this and you think that your friends would like this too, we'd really appreciate you passing it along. Or your enemies, you know. I'm not picky. Maybe go to a local airport and sit outside of the doors and busk singing songs about our podcast. Yeah, plaster a logo everywhere. What do I care? Do it. Get after it, people. Maybe go in the woods, look for Sasquatch with your friends. Bring them a USB drive with our episodes on Practice your Sasquatch calls. Yeah, if we can get big in the Sasquatch demographic, I think that'll really launch us. We're no longer making a podcast for humans. This is for Sasquatches now. Yeah, get away, people. Get away, people. Well, on that note, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, And until next time, wake up, sheeple. Wake up! Thank you.